Welcome to the Insider's Guide to Finance, where we dive into stories from the front lines of financing public and private companies. I host seasoned CEOs, fund managers, bankers, brokers, and business experts who will answer your questions about how to properly engage investors, finance opportunities, and build outstanding success stories. We dig into the educational how-tos and mechanics of structuring good deals. You'll also hear about strokes of luck, tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. Welcome back to the Insider's Guide to Business. In this episode, we hear from Joe O'Connor, the CEO of Four Day Workweek. Four Day Workweek is a global movement that is gaining a lot of traction. Perhaps amplified by the pandemic, there are a growing number of companies that are embracing a four day workweek. So I had to take a look. Joe's here today to build on an interview we did with Andrew Barnes, the founder of Four Day Workweek. And what we're gonna get into is how it can be implemented. If you haven't listened to the interview with Andrew, I highly recommend it, as we covered a number of topics from investment banking and business building to his spearheading of the four-day work week in his own companies. In my conversation with Joe, you're going to hear a lot about how the four-day work week can be successfully implemented, what you should be aware of, and why it could be a critical competitive advantage for you. As Joe points out, some of the biggest brands in the world are pursuing this or have already implemented it. So don't be left behind. And as a final note, I want to say that I'm, I'm really happy that this episode is supported by Olympia Trust Company. Olympia is an outstanding provider of transfer agent and corporate trustee services and has been supporting the Canadian capital markets for well over 20 years. I can speak from experience that the team strives to deliver on their promise of making it personal. So thanks again to the team at Olympia Trust Company, and I encourage you to reach out to them at any time. You can find their contact information in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Corey. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. In a previous interview with Andrew Barnes, we discussed at a high level the the four-day work week and, and the movement that you guys are pushing forward. And I thought it would be just really interesting to get your take on it as well. But perhaps the best way to start is, can you give us some background on yourself, your position with this movement and, and what you guys are up to? Sure. So as you can probably tell by the name and by the accent, I'm not a native New Yorker, which is where I'm currently living. I'm from Ireland. So just moved here in September. I've been involved in the movement around reduced working time since around late 2018, when I organized a conference in Ireland on the future of working time. I was the founding member and chairperson of Four Day Week Ireland, a coalition that launched in 2019. And since then, I've been working with Four Day Week Global and with Andrew and Charlotte in trying to generate interest and momentum in this idea of reduced hour productivity focused working. Last year, we launched a pilot program initiative in Ireland, which was supported by the Irish government with research funding. And around the same time, you know, 40 Week Global, we're looking at, at doing a similar pilot project internationally. We had a group of people here in the United States that were looking at a, at a similar program. So the stars aligned and I joined 40 Week Global in, in, la- in September of last year as our global pilot program manager, where I've been effectively responsible for coordinating these global programs. And just recently, I've taken over as chief executive officer. Congrats. I read that press release recently. So congrats to that. And would you say this is a, for you, is this a form of a crusade or what's been the motivation for you behind seeing a lower work week? Yeah. I mean, it's something that 
the more case studies that I dove into and the more research that I did into this, you know, earlier in my career, the more I believed in it. It's something that I think is is very rewarding to be involved in because you do feel like, you know, while the, the day-to-day is very practical, you know, most of my day-to-day work is spent talking to companies, supporting them to run a successful trial and to make this work for their business. But I mean, the macro of this is incredibly exciting. It does feel like we're part of something that could be, you know, a life-changing movement. And then even at a, you know, at an individual company level, when you get off a call and you've managed to persuade the executive of a company to move to a four-day work week, and you know that a couple of hundred people are going to have an extra day off, that's really, really enjoyable work to be a part of. So mm. certainly, I feel very blessed to be at the coalface of something that really over the last six to eight months in particular seems to be attracting just exponential growth and interest and demand and momentum. Yeah, it really is. Well, one, it's, it's good work to be doing. From what I've heard, the success stories and the, the lives that are changed by having that extra time, it's very powerful. So I, I think that, that it's good work you're doing. For the audience who perhaps haven't caught on or haven't seen the some of the publicity behind the four-day workweek movement, can you give us a bit of the background there? Because when I first typed it in to say, you know, what's it going to take for us to do it and came across you guys... I was amazed at how much energy this is getting. Sure. Well, you know, as I said, I'm involved in this for a number of years now. And this was something that even before the pandemic was a growing niche concept. More and more businesses were looking at this. More and more academics were interested in this, you know. But the pandemic has almost given it new life and has given it a life of its own. And and often with these kind of deeply ingrained social and cultural norms, it takes a big disruptor like the pandemic in order to make workers and employers really look at how we're doing things and in order to make a big change like this possible. So, you know, in terms of momentum, for example, we've got a hundred companies from six different countries trialing over six months of four-day work week just in the first half of this year alone. And I think one of the big changes that we've seen is that this is no longer just an issue that companies are looking at from a productivity standpoint or for an employee well-being standpoint. This is something that in a lot of industries is becoming a matter of competition. And mm. that, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, quality of life, you know, is the new frontier of competition for an awful lot of people. And companies that maybe previously offered different kinds of flexible working, different kinds of hybrid or remote working options have very quickly found now in this, you know, I won't call it a post pandemic landscape because we're not quite there yet. But as this becomes, you know, the new normal, Having those kind of policies is almost now the standard expectation in a lot of industries. So a lot of companies are now looking for what's the new thing that can give us the edge in terms of retaining our best people and recruiting talent. And a lot of those companies are turning to the four-day work week. Any notable names that people would be like, whoa, I can't believe they're doing that? Well, I think one of the most notable names would be Unilever. They're one of the biggest companies in the world. They're trialing this in their New Zealand office. They've just extended their six-month trial for a further six months. And they're hoping to use that to inform a broader policy across their entire Australasian divisions. Microsoft have trialed this in Japan a number of years ago with really positive outcomes, 39% increase in productivity reported. Hmm. That hasn't led to a widespread adoption of this policy across Microsoft, but it does go to show some of the biggest companies in the world have looked at this or are looking at this. We've had some private conversations with some really, really huge global corporations that are looking at running discrete targeted pilots in certain locations or in certain departments. And then within our our pilot programs themselves, you know, you'll have seen Bolt here in the US, the tech unicorn have have successfully introduced this in in, in recent months. And 
In the US, we have 38 companies starting a six-month trial on the 1st of April, and that includes global software companies like Simpro. It includes a manufacturing company in Ohio, Advanced RV. It includes a hospitality group of restaurants in New Mexico and Tucci's. So I think that shows the diversity and the spread of, you know, not just different sizes, but companies from industries and lines of work that you maybe wouldn't ordinarily associate with the shorter work week. Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting to see, you know, these big names come about. And I've got two questions that are breaking the mold of what we're going down here, but I'm curious about the business model for you guys as putting this together and as chief executive of the four-day work week and what you guys are doing or shorter work week. What is that business model? Well, I mean, the business model in the early stages, if we're being honest, is that we were like a founder-led startup that was founded by Charlotte and Andrew a number of years ago based on their passion for this idea, based on their positive experience of doing this in their own business, and really envisioning this as being a network that would just connect you know, interested business leaders, academics who wanted to explore this topic further in the context of the future of work. And really, as the interest and the momentum in this idea, you know, we've worked with hundreds of different companies from different industries all over the world in recent years. But we've moved to a space now where we needed to develop something, which is the pilot program that enabled us to support a lot of companies collectively at scale. Mm. Because the level of interest and demand and contact that we were getting about this, you know, we were not going to be able to sustain on a company by company basis. So we've moved from a model which, you know, effectively our activity for the first couple of years was personally bankrolled by Andrew and Charlotte as two entrepreneurs who just really believed in this concept. Now most of our day-to-day activities and the running costs of our programs are financed through contributions by the companies that participate in those programs. So in return for the training, the mentoring, the support, the research that we provide them in running their trials, they make contributions depending on the size of their companies. And that's something that, that's allowed us you know, to run more and more programs in more countries and for more companies. Yeah. I can imagine when you put out numbers like a 30%, 40% increase in productivity and you know probably happiness scores that go through the roof and you know the, the competitive nature and a, the ability to attract better talent it could become a hell of a business to be consulting on how to to do this properly i don't get the feeling that that's the the direction in which you guys are going or why you're doing this but you look and you go wow there's a big value proposition here yeah i mean we're a not for profit you know so very much the way we're looking at this is we don't see ourselves as traditional management consultants that are going to come into your company and tell you, this is what you need to do. These are the changes you need to make in your own business. We see the value of what we're doing very much in offering people access to a multiplicity of different experiences and expertise from leaders and businesses all over the world that have done this successfully, often in very different ways. Because the four-day work week is not a one-size-fits-all idea. Mm. It's something that's very company-specific. It's very industry-specific. So this is not about you know a kind of off-the-shelf template of here's how you do four-day work week. There are certain guiding principles that we believe are key to success and are common across every company we've looked at that has made a big hit of this and that has achieved the best productivity gains. But then underneath that, this is something that really differs from, from place to place. And therefore, you know, what we're trying to do is maybe people come to our sessions and they say, the way Andrew Barnes did communication and perpetual guardian, that works for our company. But the way Banks Benitez in Uncharted designed the measurement for his pilot, that makes more sense for us. So, mm. you know, it's almost a menu more than it's a single entree, you know? Uh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just reminded of an interview we did recently with a gentleman named Mogan Smed and He's very outspoken. He said, 
consultant is just another name for asshole from out of town. And so I bring that up, but I laugh as, you know, when consultants come in and say, okay, this is what you can do and this is what you got to do and here's your report. It doesn't always work. And, and so it, I'm, it sounds like what you guys are doing is approaching in a way of providing options and providing background and, and support to, to those who have unique situations. Because like you say, every industry, every business is unique in itself and how they can apply this. Right. And, you know, we're a small enough for profit. We're not setting ourselves up as we're specialists in every industry where companies might be interested in trialing the four day work week. But we do think we can add value through the networking opportunities we offer with other companies that are trialing this through the expertise, the mentoring and the coaching of us and other business leaders who have, you know, been there, done that, who have maybe trialed this when there wasn't that kind of support structure out there mm. where this maybe they were the only company in their industry to do this and they were building the aircraft while it was in flight. They were coming up with the coming up against these issues and these obstacles and learning from them and adapting as they went. So every company is going to have a degree of that. But we think we've learned enough from the examples of how this has worked all over the world in recent years to be able to give companies pretty solid guidance on how they can set themselves up best for success. And you know, it would be going against our own philosophy to say, we're going to come in and tell you what you need to do. Because actually, at a company level, one of the, the biggest pieces of advice that we give to CEOs is that one of the biggest reasons why companies fail in introducing a four-day work week from a point at which they're interested in trialing it is that the CEO isn't, you know, from a mindset perspective, isn't willing to hand over the keys to how to make this work to a sufficient mm. degree. You know, if this is something that's kind of that's housed within the C-suite or around the executive table where, you know, the approach is we're going to come up with every single thing that could go wrong, every single possible issue that, that we might encounter in a trial, and we're going to come up with the solution to that in advance, then this will never work because mm. this needs to be a ground-up process. You know, The most detail-oriented CEO in the world does not know the day-to-day -day intricacies of all of their employees well enough to be able to come up with, here are the efficiencies that you can make, here are the changes and work practices that you can do in order to deliver that same output in four days rather than five. Right. Okay. Now, can we go down that path a little bit more? And I think the key takeaway to your last point there is that it needs to be ground up. You can never go and anticipate and prescribe how all of your team should be conducting themselves. It just won't work. It has to be the team prescribing and saying, this is what we need to do to accomplish the greater goal. When it comes to successes and failures and really actually you know, getting started with this, well, where do you start? What are some of the fundamentals that companies need to know before moving down this path? Well, I think that's where you start. You start with, with engagement and you start with empowering your teams and your heads of department and your employees across the organization to start to figure out what are the collective changes that we can make to become more efficient within our organization. Because fundamentally, this isn't, you know, Absolutely. Does the four-day week enable behavioral changes which can enhance individual productivity? Absolutely, it can. But this is not about, you know, standing over Jim and account's shoulder to make sure you're squeezing as much out of him in four days as you used to do in five. Mm. This is about the benefit of the four-day work week as a policy endeavor in comparison to, let's say, some other flexible working policies. It's much more opt-in. It's much more optional policies across the company. Well, the first thing is access to those policies can vary hugely depending on who your manager is, depending on, you know, what's the culture within your direct team? What are your other colleagues doing? You know, if they're not availing of these flexible working options, maybe you feel from a career progression standpoint, you're not in a position to do it. 
And the other thing is, because it's heavily individualized, it doesn't actually provide an incentive for people to actually come together and work together and create this safe space to say, here are the things in our business that aren't working properly. And here are the things we need to change in order to make that happen. So, you know, some of the solutions here that are common across very many companies, they won't surprise you. So, you know, we often say that for an awful lot of companies, the four-day work week is already here, but it's buried under a lot of rubble in terms of bad meetings, outmoded processes, digital distractions. So some of the things Mm. that companies do is, number one, they get better at meeting discipline, you know, shorter meetings, less meetings. Maybe they have some people attending meetings that don't necessarily need to be there. Maybe there's meetings that could be an email. Maybe they need to be better structured, have a better agenda. So a lot of companies lose a huge amount of time from inefficient meetings. Maybe there's processes that companies have been deploying, which are outdated, which need to be automated or got rid of. Can people reinvent their workday so that they're much more defined about this is the time that we spend for collaboration. This is the time we spend on meetings. This is the time we spend doing administration. And this is the time we have for really focused, high value priority work. So, you know, becoming much more defined about how you spend your workday is another very common thing that we see companies do. But, you know, if your approach at the start is we've seen how this worked in Perpetual Guardian or we've seen how this worked in Bolt. So we're going to, from the top down, impose these are the changes we now need to make. Culturally, that is not, you know, because maybe you get an immediate benefit from that, but actually Mm. you're not culturally setting yourself up to enable people to come up with these solutions themselves. And maybe after six months and after 12 months, you know, some of that benefit will fall off and you start to get back into these bad habits and bad practices again. I can imagine the uh, the enthusiasm's high, employees move into this, and whereas management says you're doing this, but it's almost been without enough preparation and thought and, and contribution from those who actually are taking on a shortened work week. Sure. And, you know, one of the, the huge pluses of the four-day work week is it touches on so many different aspects of your business, time management, efficiency, employee well-being, sustainability, productivity. A lot of companies find that if they're trying to address these five or six separate challenges in isolation with separate policies and separate strategies to try and approach these, that it can be a fruitless endeavor. So the four-day work week provides this framework to look at all of these issues in the round. It also really powerfully aligns the company's interests with employee interests because this is so transformative. Like the stories that you hear of people being able to pick up their kids from school, being able to spend more time with their elderly relatives, being able to take up that new hobby or do these other things in their day-to-day lives, being able to, you know, get all of their administration out of the way on one of the weekdays so that their weekend is freed up for rest and relaxation. This stuff is so powerful that, you know, if people know that we're doing a trial, leadership have been really, really clear These are the key success metrics that we're going to measure this on. These are the targets we need to hit. These are the objectives that we need to achieve. And that's how we're going to judge the success of this trial. And then after that, we're going to get out of the way. We're not going to overthink it. And we're going to leave it up to you to work out how we can make this happen. And this Mm. is an experiment. You know, it is a trial. But people are so motivated and so focused to hit those targets and to achieve those objectives because they know that at the end of the road, if they're able to do that, The benefit and the result is that they get to keep this transformative benefit on a permanent basis. Hmm. So that's the kind of thing that this creates within a business that's incredibly empowering. Yeah. There is a few points that Andrew mentioned, and I want to share them with you to see if you can elaborate or add others that I thought were really interesting. One was his view that the approach is 100-80-100. So 100% of the commitment, I think it's like this, 100% of the commitment, 80% of the time, 100% of the productivity. 
And with that, I started to think, well, there's really good measurement or that the thought of always keeping measurement in mind. And to that point, Andrew said that if you don't know what you're measuring, then you've got far greater problems than trying to get a four-day work week going. So I thought that was interesting. Can we talk about what are some of the measurements that you find those who have been in the trial have been most successful with? You can't measure everything under the sun. So what are the three or five that you find companies cue in on that lead to the greatest success? Sure. So within our programs, we can measure most things in quite a standardized way. You know, so in terms of employee well-being, burnout, stress levels, you know, loyalty to the company, work-life balance, energy use, employee turnover and attrition, all of these things can be measured, you know, pretty much the same way. The one area that we treat differently is productivity because you can't measure productivity the same way in an IT company versus a manufacturing company or versus a group of restaurants. So this is an area that we support companies in offering them examples of here's how other companies have measured their trials, but really they determine, you know, they self-select, here's the areas that we believe, you know, are the most effective ways for us to judge are we as productive? Are we getting the same work done? Are we enhancing or improving our productivity? So for, you know, if you're a client facing, you know, customer experience business, like a call center, it might be customer satisfaction scores or surveys, you know, it might be sales targets in a sales company, it might be points and sprints or a number of products produced for a manufacturing company. And then if you're a tech company, it's probably something a little bit more high level, like OKRs. So objectives, key results is one that we see, we see a lot of those companies use. But you know, I think Andrew's point is fundamentally right in that companies that come to us and say, well, actually, we don't have a clue how to measure productivity right now, and we're not measuring productivity right now. Well, yeah, you're right. That's a problem for you, regardless of whether you decide to trial a four-day work week or not. But we also find that maybe sometimes companies overthink productivity because they think that if we don't have this incredibly sophisticated, complex hmm. mechanism for measuring productivity, then we're not doing it right. But actually, when you drill down into that question where people come to us and say, well, you know, we're not actually really currently measuring productivity, they still know is the work getting done. They still know are the targets getting hit. They still know if we set this objective with this time frame, is it getting met or is it getting delivered upon? So in effect, they are measuring productivity. So often we would say that the best way you can measure productivity is to keep it fairly uniform versus how are you measuring it right now? You know, and, and most companies will find that maybe they can sharpen it up a little bit, but they are measuring productivity in some way. They wouldn't be a successful business if they didn't. Hmm. And it's often better not to reinvent the wheel because it means, you know, number one, it's more comparable. You know, you're able to, if you've got a whole different range of metrics that you're using for the four-day work week that you didn't use for the five-day work week, then it becomes a little bit more difficult to measure like with like. But also, secondly, you know, you're not overcomplicating with your employees. You're not creating the situation where people are spending most of their time figuring out these new ways of measurement rather than figuring out actually what are the things that we need to do in order to get more efficient and in order to work more productively. Hmm. How much do you find technology and, and softwares are enabling people to be more efficient and finding those different ways to work? And I'll give an example, this is a shout out to a company that we've really come to enjoy is, is Loom, where you have a message instead of writing a long-winded email, you can create something, create a video, walk somebody through it, send it off to them, and they can engage with that video very simply. And we love the tool. And we find that it's next to a face-to-face -face meeting. It's probably one of the best things to do to increase productivity. What about other tools that you see companies using that perhaps are helping with productivity? 
Sure. Well, I'll give you one example of uh, Yak, which is a four-day workweek company that have developed software for asynchronous communication, probably quite similar to the tool that you mentioned. But, you know, using technology in smarter ways is a really important part of this. You know, there are certain things that companies are doing that it's just habit at this stage. It's an outmoded old practice. We've been doing this for the last four years, the last five years. No one really questions why are we still doing it this way now? And that's the framework that the four-day week gives you to be able to, you know, at a team level, not just keep going with the way things have been done, but to question everything and to question all of these processes and figure out, is there a technical solution that we can deploy, which frees up our people's time to be able to spend it on more high value, high productivity activity? You know, we see even in, in if you take, for example, law firms, which is an area that traditionally hmm. people would have said, you know, how can you introduce a four-day work week in law firms where they live by the billable hour? And, and they you know, mandate so how you to work you, seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the whole concept that we work around, which is shifting away from, you know, a focus on measuring hours to a focus on measuring output. How can you do that if effectively clients still pay you by the hour? But actually what we've seen in those examples is, well, number one, a lot of companies will use this as a tool to move from hourly billing to project-based billing because in reality, the client isn't actually paying you for the time that you put in. They're paying you for the, the product or the service that you're mm -hmm. delivering for them. But also we're seeing in a lot of those law firms, even if they retain the hourly billing system, they're actually able to eliminate enough non-billable overheads within the work week that more of the work that they're doing is chargeable. So in other words, they've eliminated so much of this you know, other stuff that they weren't able to charge clients for. And now they're working four days, but a much higher percentage of the work that they're putting in is work that they're actually converting into revenue for the business. So we've seen all kinds of different creative solutions deployed by companies who have made this a success. Excellent. Next question I have, and this was something that I thought was interesting about Andrew kind of opening the kimono to what he's doing with his organizations in the sense that from a an employment standard or an employment setup, everyone is mandated to work a five-day work week but they're given the option and the ability to work for. And so legally, they're still on a, a work or an employee contract of five days a week, but there's the benefit of that day off if people, if the organization and the organizational units can manage to work and be productive within four days. And so I thought that was an interesting way to, to have a bit of a parachute if it doesn't work. And I'm thinking for larger organizations, you know, how do you push forward with this but also have a safety net in case. And, and I mean, that would help for the board, that would help for senior management, things like that. What other kind of things do you see in that vein that, that are helpful? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that provides a practical and also a philosophical benefit. You know, practically speaking, because in most jurisdictions, employment law is so geared around the traditional five-day, 40-hour work week, that often companies who try to make contractual changes to bring about a four-day work week find themselves in a situation where there's unintended consequences both for the company, but also mm. for employees in terms of pension entitlements, leave accrual, and so on. So by doing it as an opt-in policy, that obviously circumnavigates that. But you're right. It also, you know, even if you're not thinking about this as a parachute, there's a cultural benefit to this in that, you know, Banks Benit has a CEO, one of the companies we work with in Denver, Colorado, Uncharted, who've moved to a four-day work week, talks about this as, you know, 
It's like signing up for the gym. This is not a one-off decision and then all of a sudden you're fit and healthy. This is mm. something that you need to continuously work on in order to be fit. You know, the four-day work week is a fitness rather than a one-off policy decision. You know, there are certain behaviors that you need within your company or within your people in order to continue to make this work, in order to continue to make this something that is effective for your business. So by having this as a policy rather than as a permanent contractual change, it does really bed in that this is something that, that people need to continuously earn. That, you know, it's a gift, but it's not a one-off thing that, you know, we trial this, now we've made a success of it, now the policy is permanent, and we can just go back to the way we were working six or seven months ago. So I think that that's an important cultural dimension to going down that route for certain companies. The analogy of a gym membership and the fact that you're just not going to be, you step in the door and you're fit and healthy, it takes a lot of work. I think that's pretty spot on because when I'm thinking about this and thinking about it for our company as well, I look at myself and I go, how in the hell am I supposed to work four days when I tend to work seven? And <laughs> so it's a big challenge and, and I'm eager to put myself into a corner so I have to make it work for all of us. But your analogy there of this is about going to the gym and getting fit, not just an instant fix is something that's really hidden. So thank you for that. Yeah. And look, I mean, the benefit of the four day work week trial is that everyone is thrown in at the deep end together. You know, even the people that we've worked with in companies who at the start, we get this all the time. People who say, look, I couldn't be more productive. I couldn't do my job in less hours than I'm currently doing it. And, you know, oftentimes you need to drill down into we're not telling you to do your current job the same way in four days. We're saying that actually maybe you need to work differently. And maybe there's things that organizationally, you need to change to enable individuals to work shorter, but to still deliver the same productivity. So it is about really drilling down into some of that busyness. And we often find some of the people who are most skeptical at the start, two or three months in, have actually realized there are things that they're currently doing, which they can change in order to be able to get them to do their jobs more efficiently. And sorry if I asked this earlier, but I just want to perhaps even drill further is when things don't work, why is it that they don't work? Where have you seen just epic failures and, and what has it been associated or attributed to? I'll come back to very, very commonly, it is that overthinking in the C-suite. And it is the approach mm -hmm. that we can't start to engage people on coming up with how this could work until we've figured out how it will work. And, you know, the idea that we can't experiment with this until we've assured ourselves that the experiment will work. But the whole point of this is that for most companies, this does succeed. But the worst thing that's going to come out of this is you're going to learn a whole lot about your company, your practices, your operations, and your people by the end of the trial period. So that is a really, really important, important factor. We see sometimes, you know, this is a big change management process. So sometimes companies who are going about doing this on a planned basis, maybe something else happens in the company, a leadership change, you know, an unexpected event happens, which really substantially moves the company's operations. And it becomes difficult to sustain the focus on this other big organizational change that's happening around the four-day workweek transition, because they're now dealing with this, with firefighting or troubleshooting this, this other thing. That's a common issue that we see, we see companies come up with. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to, it takes certain leaders, it takes a mindset of a certain leader to be able to introduce a policy that really is centered around a degree of devolved responsibility, you know, hmm. that this is a policy that can only work if you're willing to devolve responsibility. If you're a leader that finds that uncomfortable and finds that difficult, maybe you're going to find it difficult to introduce a four-day work week. Similarly, if culturally your organization's got a culture where there's a lack of trust between leadership 
managers and employees, you know, the four day work week isn't just going to fix all of those problems. In fact, it might make them worse because you need a, a really, really solid foundation of trust because this is a partnership between leadership and between employees. And, you know, if, if that partnership is built on really, really shaky ground and foundations, you might find that the trial isn't, isn't as successful. Our experience is, is that the vast, vast majority of companies who trial the four-day work week end up making it permanent. And certainly the vast, vast majority of companies that we work with, we would, would caveat that with saying there's a degree of self-selecting bias to the companies we work with because, you know, most of them already are coming to the four-day work week from the position of having had other flexible working policies in place, being quite progressive and open-minded mm. about the way right. that we work. It's very seldom that you'll get an uber-conservative CEO that would never have even considered, you know, a day working from home or some other kinds of flexible working who all of a sudden says, I think the four-day work week is a great idea. You know, So there's a degree of the people that are coming to this and the organizations that are coming to this are probably those that are really set up to make this work already. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think when you, some of these very old school companies, which you know stuck in the old age where so conservative that it's, it's hurting them even today would never just move over. But where you have a a much more, how do you say, progressive company who's already trialing and doing other kind of interesting work arrangements. It's not a big ask. It's not a big move to do this. So, But, you know, with, like with any big economic shift, we're still at the early adapter innovator phase. We're probably coming to the tail end of that. And this, in a lot of sectors, is going to become something that's not quite as niche anymore. Certainly in finance, IT, software, tech, some parts of professional services. Our view is that based on the trends we're seeing in the next couple of years, this is going to become a pretty widespread phenomenon. So we're going to pretty soon reach the, the tipping point in certain sectors where it's not just going to be about the early adapters. Other companies are going to be forced to follow because of competition and because they're finding that they're losing talent and that they're finding it difficult to recruit and retain because their biggest competitor has done this first. So mm. you're going to have the leaders and we're still at the leadership phase but I have absolutely no doubt we're going to have followers as well. And, you know, the benefits are going to flow quickest and for the longest time to those who lead rather than follow. You know, your biggest, I'm sure Andrew might have said this, but your biggest risk really isn't trying this and it not working. Your biggest risk is your biggest competitor will do it before you. Yeah. yeah and then you're kind of high and dry. Hmm. Very interesting. Any final thoughts for the audience? I think that this has been really informative and, and I, I'm really happy that you've taken the time. Any final thoughts for the audience on perhaps how to initiate this within their companies, whether they're leadership or part of the working team? Sure. Well, I mean, I think whether you're an employee or whether you're a manager, it's really important to frame this and you know to talk about why are we doing this? And that's why productivity needs to be at the center of that. You know, The work-life balance benefits of this I think at this point are commonly understood and are well established. But, you know, it is important that the company approaches this from the perspective of productivity. And if you're an employee that's maybe trying to sell this up the line or persuade your boss to consider this, I think talking about the benefits that this can have from a company performance perspective is really important because that will make your manager feel that actually this is something that already they have people in the organization who are approaching this the right way and who don't see this as a kind of a one-sided coin. You know, they see this as a quid pro quo, 
a partnership and something that can be a win-win for both employers and also for employees. We'd say to companies that, you know, if they're interested in learning more about this, certainly feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to talk to them about the pilot programs that we're running all over the world. Program at 4dayweek.com is the best way to get us if they're interested in looking into that a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, this is something two or three years ago, we were constantly banning away in the press, in public discourse, in the business world, that this was something that was pie in the sky. I mean, very few people now would argue that the four-day week can't work. The question that people are asking is, can the four-day work week work for us? And mm. I think that the conversation really has changed around this. And actually, I would contest that anyone out there that feels, you know, we're going to go back to the way things were in late 2019 or early 2020, I think that's pretty pie in the sky. You know, I don't see that happening. I think that we're in a new age where the frontier for competition now really is quality of life. And the companies that are able to provide an attractive package on that while maintaining their productivity and their output are the ones that are going to be best set up and best positioned for long-term success. That's awesome. Well, congrats to you for fighting the good fight. And thank you very much for shining some light on this for us. No problem. Delighted to do it. Cheers, Corey. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.